They normally say, well, my problem is I'm struggling to find clients, for example, or struggling to grow my business. So that would be a common question that people come to me. And so then when I hear someone tell me a problem, I often, well, most of the time, it's a deeper problem than the problem they present with. And so my, I feel like my job as a, a counsellor and as a coach is to look at what hear what they're saying, but try to find the problem underneath the problem. So going deeper than what they have. Hey, my name is Julie Tenner and I'm obsessed with all things deepening your experience of life, love and practice and helping you to navigate how to take your work and your clients deeper. I'm a mama of four who works from home, running a multiple six-figure business that is soul-aligned. I teach you the tips and share the knowledge of deeply inspiring practitioners and facilitators that can take you to the next level of your life and business journey. And of course, the messy middle of where they meet. Think of this as the classroom you never had on how to break the mold and the taboos that keep you bound in your work and life to do what you love and be well paid in return, mixed with business school. So pull up a seat, pop on those headphones and get ready to be challenged and deeply inspired while you learn. Let's deepen together. This is the Deeper Practitioner podcast. Connect with me at julietenner.love. Tanya Cross is a business mindset coach whose in-depth knowledge of human behavior has helped tens of thousands of people live a meaningful life. She has a love for understanding the workings of the mind, how your inner world is influencing your outer world, and how to continually grow yourself to achieve sustained business success. The combination of her knowledge in human behavior, leadership, relationships, and in health has led her to her mission of empowering and educating business leaders to gain clarity and conviction in their vision and the certainty to overcome any obstacle or challenge in its execution. After intense study and training, Tanya is the first Master Certified Demartini Method Facilitator in Australia and seventh in the world. She spoke for Adult Shop's Passion and Pleasure program alongside well-known relationship counsellor Dr John Gray. She has presented a follow-up program of the Breakthrough Experience, led the Demartini Method facilitators in Australia and globally, and ran events throughout Australia. She believes exemplification is the best way to lead. So hello and welcome, gorgeous, wonderful, magic Tanya Cross, who is my Demartini mastermind coach of all things fabulous, a place that I often return to for wisdom and inspiration. And I'm so grateful to have you here on the Deeper Practitioner podcast. Thank you, Julie, for having me. So I'd love to begin with, could you please share the traditional lands that you work or live upon? Yes, uh, I'm in Sydney, so it's the Gadigal people. Thank you. So doesn't have to be brief, but as arc story-like as you can make it, what has your journey been from, let's say, leaving school to Tanya Cross? I don't even know what you call yourself. Master Martini, incredibleness, running an <laughs> empire. How have you done that? How has that happened? 
Sure. So it's been a bit of a journey since leaving school. So I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my career or my life. And I have a sister who's 12 years older. She was quite, she was like my, my mum, my sister, my best friend all rolled up into one. And she was a nurse and still is a nurse now. So she said, Tanya, you'll make an incredible nurse. You should do nursing. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I just, I, I started that as my, as my foundation of my career. And I did really love it. Like I loved the caring, you know, aspect of it. I love being, able, I loved health. So I loved being able to help people. But like every journey go, you know, we go on, I just found that it came to a point where I just felt like I wanted to help people at a deeper, a deeper level. And I felt like the, the, in what I, my perception anyway, with some of the, the medical um, institution, I didn't, I felt like I wasn't really helping to the degree I could. Mm. So I switched over to counseling and started studying counseling And so I just, you know, one of those like life moments where I had my, my boyfriend pass away and, well, he died in an accident and it was a real turning point for me to go, well, what am I, you know, I have to go and change. And because I was grieving a lot and really struggling. So that catapulted me into someone said, Tanya, you have to go to the breakthrough experience with John D. Martini. You are, it's going to change your life. And I, you know, when someone says something to you, like you get goosebumps and you just feel it, you're like, oh, I have to go. So I found myself at his program and one of the, you know, they select on the Sunday an individual who's grieving to go up on stage with Dr. D. Martini. And do this process with him, which he calls the grief process. So I, there was like 210 people in the room and I had the opportunity. I was felt so, I felt so blessed to be able to go up and to take him to ask me just four questions to be able to resolve my grief in an hour and 20 minutes. So I was like in the midst of my counseling degree. So I was actually studying crisis counseling at the time. So I had been told that because you're grieving, you will have between two and five years before you finally resolve this, these, the feelings that you're going through. And so I just thought my destiny was going to be a long, slow journey to healing and recovery and and getting my life back again. Mm. But an hour and 20 minutes. So I just knew like, that was like the defining moment. Like I knew that moment I wanted to learn what he teaches learn this methodology and be able to share it with others because if he could transform something that I thought was not possible and do it, I was like, I want to be able to do that for other people. So it has just been a journey since then. I, I've loved being able to uh, grow a business and I've had fortunate opportunities to speak for companies and to work for the Martini Institute as well to be able to uh, grow my understanding and learning So and being able to evolve my business from there. So how do you define and describe you and your business now? So I do private and group coaching. So my private coaching is for leaders who are wanting to grow in business, also grow in life. Maybe it's also have a life outside of business, but struggling of how to be able to do that. So I do private coaching and then I also do group coaching. So for that's for the business owners who want to apply mindset principles and tools and questions to be able to grow their business. 
And so that's just, and then we also do mindset work as well. So we um, apply the Martini method. So they learn like a foundation of how to apply that within their own life. And I can't remember the terminology, but you're a master something Martini sure. something. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, uh, it's a mouthful. No, it's uh, I'm a master certified Martini method facilitator. So can you mean, run through? Yeah. You blow my mind every time. You're like, I've been to 12 of these and, you know, 20 of those. And I'm like, uh, what? Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I have, I've done like 76 breakthrough experiences. I've done the training program to become a facilitator. I've done that 12 times. I've done almost all his appearances bar one which he hasn't run in the last 12 years since I've been a student of his. So, I'm, yeah, I definitely, I've done his prophecy two, um, five times, which is the mind-body connection and understanding how the mind is impacting the physical body and creating illnesses. So I've done a lot of, I've done a lot. Yeah, I know it's a bit, you're looking at me like really. No, I'm just like, I'm actually inspired when I hear you talk about yeah. it because the level of dedication that you've given your own personal growth mm. and learning, I think is actually quite exceptional. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I, I, I maybe I'm just one of those people and I'm sure other, you know, maybe people can relate of like when you find something you love, there's just a like, tu- like tunnel vision focus, like you just head down, just so focused and immersed in it. So, and I just know how much, because I spent the first year before I became trained in the method, I spent a, f- a full year so of just applying the work as much as I can in my own life to be able to see, well, how does this, how does it, how does it, like, what's the result of this? And so I just found that I went from being this shy, very, very introverted, I would get panic attacks just going and doing anything social, let alone speaking in front of an audience. It would just be petrifying that I would find myself going back home again. And so to go from that to be able to feel like I could express myself and then be able to serve and then so much of my life changed, like financially, you know, as inspiration-wise, my connections that I had, like so much changed in that one year. I was like, I just... I, I just wanted to learn everything I could possibly learn about it. How do you explain the Martini method to someone who's never heard of it before? Sure. It's a systematic process of asking questions to be able to resolve emotions so that you don't have to sit in emotion and have emotional baggage and you can get back on path and purpose. And what does it mean when you say, for instance, with your grief process, hmm. I was transformed or resolved? What does that mean? So... If I give you an example, so before the a few days before, I had gone to a shopping center. So, and I had parked my car. So, this is when I was still grieving. So, I parked my car and I went into the shops and then I didn't buy anything. I just turned around and I went back to the car and I couldn't actually find my car. I couldn't remember where I had parked the car. So, I looked in different levels. I still couldn't find it. I ended up having to get the, the um, like attendant to drive around until we found my car. So my brain was like, I mean, I know that some people could relate to this in terms of when you grieve, you, the, your thinking process is really um, um, shifted, shifts. And so be able to then go through an hour and 20 minutes of asking it, I felt like grounded. I felt deeply appreciative of of my boyfriend. I felt deeply appreciative of his life and also his death and so I felt like I could I felt like I could live life again 
And I didn't have any of the sadness, the heartache, the like yearning to just be with him or talk to him again. Like all of that had dissolved and disappeared. And I just felt like I could be present back in today and present back in my life again, mm. which is profound. Like profound. profound. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure we'll dig into that as we kind of evolve today. So I heard you say at the start, you know, I really just wanted to help people at a deeper level. What does going deeper mean to you? It's a great question. So I would say that when someone comes to me normally with a problem, they normally say, well, my problem is I'm struggling to find clients, for example, or struggling to grow my business. So that would be a common question that people come to me. And so then when I hear someone tell me a problem, I often, well, most of the time, it's a deeper problem than the problem they present with. And so my, I feel like my job as a, a counsellor and as a coach is to look at what hear what they're saying, but try to find the problem underneath the problem. So going deeper than what they have, because we have like the, we have like an issue and what's happening, but then there's also what's happening underneath, what's the driver behind it. And so if someone says they're struggling with clients, then I'd be like, okay, so is it imposter syndrome? Is it because they're not fully owning and identifying with what they do and delivering a service from certainty? Or is it that if they do go out and they promote themselves more in a public environment, are they afraid of criticism? And then that's making them retreat and not put themselves out there as much. And so it's like looking for the problem underneath the problem. And that's essentially if we can get to the root cause rather than just the, the surface problem, then we can actually change so much about life and also change the the, the problem that they think that they have. Mm, I love that. How have you deepened your practice over the years? And I'm going to asterisk this with... Mm. You are a master certified Martini coach facilitator, but you also are a little rogue. Hmm. So mixed up in all of that, how have you deepened over the years? So I'd say the fastest way or the best way that I've deepened my practice has been working on myself. Like I feel like if as a practitioner, uh, I feel like if I'm really believing in the work that I deliver that I'm working through my own roadblocks and my own growth ceilings and my own challenges and and taking people off the pedestal that I think are doing amazing, which means I'm minimizing myself and I get to really see my own light shine, then I feel like I can help people at a deeper level. So I feel like deepening my own like knowledge and understanding and my own stuff is an important kind of avenue for me to be able to, and I'll continue, I think I'll just, I know that I'll continue to do it for decades to come as well, because I have a high value on, on knowing myself, on growing myself and creating a life that I feel inspired by. Mm. Has what you've learned about deepening for yourself changed how you create safety for your clients? A hundred percent. Like I had this really interesting, um, I feel like as a practitioner, we are, um, we're holding a safe space for people. Like mm. especially with uh, the type of clients that I work with, they're more, more than, more than often leaders of communities or leaders of organizations. And so sometimes that comes with that 
perception of like a public image and how they should be and who they should be and how their clients or their followers are looking at them. And then there's the private version or they've got their internal struggles that they can't really go and share with people or even with their family or friends because for a whole number of reasons. So, you know, I've had leaders come to me and share things like they've had been a sufferer of bulimia or they have had to hide in a cupboard because when they were young, they were scared of their sibling coming and, you know, because they were um, intoxicated of doing something to them. And so just these, you know, experiences of like, that they can't necessarily share with other people, that then they have a safe space to be able to to do that. And so if I can offer that, that's beautiful, but it's not just a safe space. It's a safe space that we can actually go resolve that issue. You know, it's like instead of going and talking about the issue and making it more inflamed, it's a safe space to be able to to solve it. I did actually learn something really interesting actually um, over the Christmas period. So uh, around like safety. So I have, I have a particular client and we, I had taken, I decided to take two weeks off over the, over the Christmas period, just from seeing clients. And I was going to take a full two weeks off. And so I told all my clients and everyone's like, yep, no problem. And so, but one particular client uh, had a complete mental breakdown, like full, like meltdown. And so, was messaging me and and saying I really need a session and we had to I had to do some like three emergency sessions during that period of time plus you know messaging um, messaging together to be able to uh, bring them back to uh, to kind of um, somewhat of a regulation so that they could go and live life again and so what I learned is that there's this that as a practitioner there's an attachment between the client and you and so. We, we have, they are essentially, you're becoming an attachment figure for them, depending on what um, practice you have, but uh, that an attachment figure. And so what I realized with this particular client is that I disappeared and I wasn't there for those couple of weeks. And so all of a sudden they felt like their support system and their person that they've been leaning on wasn't there. And that for me was like, mind-blowing like in terms of being able to go well there are certain clients that require still like connection to not feel like that connection has been broken so the safety can still remain there and Mm. so it was just a really for me it was like my first time that it you know in 12 years of coaching my first time that I had probably noticed that you know separation and how it, it didn't wasn't kind of serving in that particular time for that client to not have sessions and so it, but um, so we were super hard in, in terms of, the, you know, over the months in order to, to work on those deeper issues or the attachment issues that they had so that they can feel like as we gradually um, taper off our sessions and end our sessions, that they feel so much more resourced that they can actually provide the safety within themselves as, a, as opposed to leaning on me or the practitioner to provide that safety for them. I love that so hard. So I have a couple of questions on that. I find that fascinating because depending on um, practitioners and niches of how we serve people out in the world, there are some practices that are built upon a lifelong relationship that you need to continue to return Mm. to me Mm. versus the model that I hear you saying is you come to me when you need it and my goal is always that you don't need it. For sure, 100%. Like I want to empower my clients so that they don't need me 
but uh, I also work on twofold. So I work with, uh, when someone comes to me, most of the time, the very beginning for a period of time, depending on how much stuff someone, well, I call it a ball of mess, you know, they give me this little ball of mess that I got to unravel and kind of figure out and we we, we start resolving it, uh, that, uh, that, you know, we work through past. So we work through past charges and past issues and past, past resentments and we clear the past. And then there gets to a point though that it's like, oh, okay, I've kind of resolved a lot of the major issues. So this is where I feel like my work is I love the most because it's, it's looking at leveling up. It's like, where can you shine? What could you expand out to? How could you ah, grow? So and, as opposed to problems, now yeah. we're looking at inspiration. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how do we get you to X, you know, um, number of clients every every month? Or how do we get you to have more speaking opportunities? Or how do we get you to um, maybe create your own methodology? Like how do we get you to stand on the shoulders of giants and go deliver something unique to the world that's yours? That's where I feel like I get to like really shine. And so that's why I've had some clients that have lasted for a long, like I've had some clients for years. One of my clients who's very successful at what he does, I've had for seven years. And so we'll we'll work on on both some of the major challenges that will come up throughout the year, but then also leveling up. So I like both dynamics, especially if you're a practitioner, like a coach, I feel like having both of those because people then just associate you with problems. And they're like, oh, you know, I've got to have a problem to go and see her. And then it's like, sometimes it's like, I create problems to go and see you. Whereas the inspiration is, is just, it, it's ever expanding. It's like, where do you want to go today? Mm. Yep. I love that. So how do you, now having had that experience that you had at Christmas, mm. what are you thinking about in terms of how as a business you're operating to uh, create, I don't know, better structures of safety so there isn't that kind of reflexive reaction? I would have, because I didn't, I know that I didn't plan well ahead. And so when someone signs up, I will let them know normally that that particular time of the year, it's normally no sessions during that time. So I've preempted it from in the sales process. So it's not like, because that time it was, I didn't, because I had always worked, you know, throughout, I'd, yeah. I'd always even seen clients throughout Christmas time. So, but I just felt like, because I have an ever expand, I've had a big growth in business over the last few years. I just felt like I just needed a break this time. So from, from my perspective, I was I was more uh, short-term in letting my clients know and I didn't give them enough, um, uh, you know, time to kind of digest and think about it. So every all my clients know now this year. It's two weeks off. Yeah, structure, planning and time. Yeah, like it's often the thing we don't do as business people though, isn't it, planning our time off? Well, yes, I, I definitely. I've now planned a quarter off, every, a long weekend off every quarter and then two weeks off at Christmas. So it just it feels like there's more breathing room in, in life, and which is beautiful. It's really beautiful. What have been the most influential moments in your business journey? So I definitely I know COVID has been my most influential. I know mm-hmm. for some people... COVID was really challenging and and struggled for uh, for people. I, I definitely know that was possible. That was the the reality for a lot of people. For me, it was because I was working with a company and I didn't I didn't go and grow my own 
group coaching because I really loved what I was doing and I but I had it in the back of my mind and I was doing events and I had for them and and I did have in the back of my mind I wanted to create something of my own my own group coaching but I didn't quite like it didn't feel like the right time you know I didn't feel like there was certainty there and so the moment that COVID happened and there was no longer travel which meant no longer running live events the, I was like, oh, I finally get to do what I've wanted to do for years and I finally get to do it for myself. And so it was just this real piv- like pivotal moment. So I literally, it was about the 15th of March when I found out and I launched my group coaching on the 1st of April. So wow. it was this catapult of like, I'd already, because I had already thought about it, I had a lot of things in the back end and I had already started kind of working on things. So it wasn't like putting brand new together, but I I just brought a lot of things together. And so that was like a pivotal moment for me to go and have an opportunity now to grow something that's mine and something that has my essence in it and something that I really love and share that with the world. So COVID definitely was a was a, a game changer. But I also spent like, you know, the last, the two years of COVID, like massive hours, you know, building because growing a coaching, a group coaching practice is, 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 is not a small task. Is There's a lot going on. You're having to learn marketing and sales and, you know, what, what are the products and, the, and how is it all going to structure? And it's kind of a, it's a beast sometimes. Yeah. You become the jack of all trades. You, you do. Yeah. You, and you've got to hire and yeah. And then you've got to deal with teams and it's kind of just, it's a new paradigm. And so it just a new, new way of, of running a business. And so, yeah, it's just been, that's definitely been one of the pivotal moments in terms of being able to, and, and influential moments of being able to grow on my business journey. Cause now I feel like there's no cap on where I can go, except the cap that I put myself you know, under. Mm-hmm. Was it hard for you to take the leap from employment to self-employed? Well, I, I've, um, even though I ran events, I was still a contractor and I just did it very, very part-time. I don't even, it wouldn't even, it would be like a couple of, like, would be like, I kind of remember maybe like 10 times a year, something like that. Uh, so, uh, but I've always worked for my, well, not always since my late twenties, I've worked for myself. So I definitely have a, a drive inside of me to work for myself and, you know, be my own boss and dictate my own time. I definitely have that. Like, I love, I love the freedom and flexibility that gives that I can work, I can work a hundred hours if I want, and I can work five hours if I want and I can, you know, but it's like whatever, whatever I want, I can do. Yeah. It's extraordinary. How did you make the leap then from nursing to self-employed? How did you do that leap? Well, that's interesting question. So when I was, um, I actually got, uh, because I had an injury, I had to actually get out of nursing. So I was on workers' compensation. How clever of you. Thank you. Thank you. I thought so too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on reflection at the yeah, time. I know, right? I mean, I did actually, actually, I still, when I, I didn't know any of like the mindset work when it happened, but I did go, oh, thank God I don't have to do that anymore. And so it was, it was a, more of a relief than it was a grief. Uh, and so when I was studying and then when I um, attended the um, the breakthrough experience, when I did my first training program, which was a year later, that's where once I'd done the training and I knew I was now qualified because I did a I did a program. 
to become a facilitator, I started my own business that day. So I hadn't yet finished my counseling degree, but I was a facilitator. So I could start working with people. And I had, I had only had like one subject to go. So I didn't have a lot left of my, of my, um, my degree. Absolutely. So I just started kind of just transitioning into coaching. And, I, and within three months, I had eight paying clients, eight regular paying clients. So it was just a synergy of like, everything kind of coming together and to be able to start my business. Was that a steep learning curve from you, that initial how do I do business, having come from being an employee? Um, I think a little bit, but I also grew up with my dad. He had his own business. So I would watch my dad when I came home. He would be doing, you know, old school, right? He'd do you know, he, balancing his books on the little like check yeah. thing and writing his yep. checks out that he needed to and and so doing a lot of his finances. And so I grew up with that, watching him do that. So I I just I think I just had in my head like I hadn't my my mum was a teacher. So she worked in a school, so she had an employment, but my dad worked for himself. So I, I feel like I grew up just by osmosis and watching him of how to run and grow a business. Fascinating. What's the best business advice that you've ever received? Oh, I still remember the dates. I can still picture the moment. <laughs> so I was in the offices of a building of a a, a, a client, but it, they, I also worked for them as well. So we kind of, we, we, I did some work for them. They did some work for me. So he had said, and so he had built a $10 million company and he had a huge influential reach. And so we were having a discussion about business and he said, Tanya, I'm going to give you one bit of advice. And I was like, I'd love to hear it. What is it? And he's like, the success of your business is not going to be built on what you say yes to, but what you say no to. And I'm like, what? Like, huh? And he's like, Yeah. Because yes is really easy to say. It's easy to say yes. And yes means you're, it's like an opportunity comes up and you're like, yeah, I'll take that. Another opportunity. Yes, I'll take that. But it's like, hang on, does this opportunity, is it in alignment with my vision? Is it in alignment with where I want to go? Is it going to cost something that is going to take away from something that's really important? And so the hardest thing can be to say no, even though it may be an amazing opportunity like an amazing opportunity to be able to, 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 to grow your business or an amazing new venture. But it's like, no, you've got to say no, just to, you know, stay on path and purpose. Because sometimes we can then, um, if we do say yes to enough people or to enough things, we might actually not be doing what's most inspiring anymore. Mm. And just doing it to please the outside world or because we find it difficult to say no we don't want to be feel rejected or you know someone not like us and then it's easier to say yes but then we end up getting pissed off in the process totally how do you know if the yes or the no is an in alignment choice so I would say that you have to know what your end goal is, whether that end goal is some people believe like have a lifetime end goal. Some people believe, you know what, life changes so much, just have a year or have a five year goal. So whatever that end goal is, you want to know what that is. And then you also want to know what you, what you are most inspired by. Like if you can know like the clients that you love to serve and you also know, you know the area that you want to specialize in, the details around that, that light you up the most and you feel that inspiration run through you, then you can make a decision based upon that or those factors and go, does this opportunity align with those things? Because if it aligns, great, 
awesome. You, you know, you're going to get energy. You're going to go and want to go and do it. You're, you're going to, you know, vibe it. But if you don't, if you're just saying it yes to please someone else, you're resisted. You don't want to do it. You'll procrastinate around it and it'll be, it'll be challenging. What would you, no, I'll start with this one first. What could you never go back to doing again? When you look across your business journey and all of its different evolutions, what are you like? There's no way I'd do that again. Um, I think in the context of now, I don't know, actually, it's a really tough question (laughs) because because I I teach people that it's not that we could ever go back and do and it would never, because if you have a regret. (laughs) You're already equilibrating yourself. So you're like, I can't answer that question. It's all perfect. (laughs) Um, It's all perfect in terms of I wouldn't, I don't feel like I have major regrets in terms of what I would never do again, but I would actually say, um, that, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I actually don't know because as part of me goes, you know, um, would I, oh, okay, maybe I, I have a moment. Okay, I have something. I'd probably never not post on, never not stop posting on social media. Is that a thing? Could I? Oh, yeah, as in you mean you take sort of vacations from social media? Ooh, I'm like yeah, a glow worm. Yeah. I like post and then I disappear and post. So I spent a fair amount of time for a lot of years posting regularly and commenting and, and doing a lot of engagement in social media. And something shifted when I ha- when I fell pregnant with my daughter. And I just decided I just didn't want to post on social media as frequently as I used to or really very much at all. And so I just have spent pretty much the last three, four four years now on not posting. And so that would probably be, yeah, if I had one thing, that would that would be it. Just because you, you, you continue keeping on traction and, yes. and uh, people knowing about you. So if people want to learn about me, they normally have to scroll back years to find, you know, previous content. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so is that on your radar as something you want to begin to shift or not? Um, I'm, yes, I definitely would love to, I would love to be a um, more active on social media, definitely. At the same time, I also, I feel really grateful and blessed to be able to have built also a business where referrals and mm-hmm. word of mouth have been like a massive portion of where I bring in clients. And I still feel like that's that's more mm-hmm. hard. Like that, I feel like that for me is like, if someone else refers you that's like they're they've they've kind of already got a bit of a buy-in. They already believe it because you've been able to impact and their life, and they're just sharing the love. So I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like that is a congruent way for me at the moment to grow my business. I really love that actually because the problem with being on social media is that it can be hit and miss in terms of who you attract. Mm, mm. And, and your referral will be like people of like elk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I love, I love social media and it's, you know, it's definitely interesting, but I think just given that how much time, you know, everyone would know this and you would know this having four kids, I've got one and it's like, how do you have time? And so if there are certain things that you could drop out, that just happened to be one of them that it's like, well, yeah. I can, and also just, I also know that 
So there's a different aspect that I'm also over the last few years really building towards inside of my business is I've I've moved a lot from being a doer inside of business to being a beer inside of business. And so what that means is instead of me having to go do stuff, like I'm going to go and yeah, I mean, that's also helpful. So I'm not saying doing is not helpful, but it's like, if I have to go and do the, you know, social media posting, but what would be the difference if I just become like, I just own something more inside of me that, you know, if I perceive a client, um, you know, someone above me to attract, you know, their ideal client and there's something that they do to do that, which is they have certainty in their service. For example, it's like, okay, let me go and, and own that within me. And then I start vibing differently. The way I look at, uh, out to world is different. My energy is different and therefore people start coming. And so that's like a more uh, like a power versus force. It's like you become the power of being able to attract and grow a business just by being you mm-hmm. and being the fullest version of you rather than feeling like I have to do more in order to grow my business. So I feel like that has definitely been a massive shift in terms of to it, um, over the, definitely over the last few years. Can you just riff on that? Can we just sort of sit with that just a little bit longer? I mean, the more spiritual way of saying that is like a law of attraction. But what I hear you saying is when I shift internally, I become a different vibrational match Mm -hmm. to people, opportunities, the world. But that can seem so woo and sometimes too etheric that people can't even like get it or grasp onto it. For sure, but you can get it when you go into a cafe. So let's say, for example, there's a cafe in called Maggio's in in Sydney. In uh, it's like uh, I've forgotten the suburb, but anyway, it's uh, so you picture this. It's in a little alleyway. So there's one Maggio's on one side, and there's another cafe on the other. Maggio's is pumping, pumping. It you go, you just feel loved when you go there. They have been running for something like thirty or forty years, and they just know everything about you know coffee, and they just they they're really personable with you. They'll have a conversation, and they just ooze what they love. What they, you just feel it. Then you go into the other cafe, and it's like dead. There's very few people sitting there. It doesn't really have a heart and soul. And so you can tell the difference between, you know, whatever's going on mentally inside of, you know, that cafe versus the other one, you can, it's palpable difference. So if that's possible within the environment on the outside, then it's also possible within an individual as well. And you know that because sometimes you speak to a particular individual and each time you speak to them, you're like so inspired and you get that energy running through them. And then you speak to them again, that same energy runs through you again. And so people vibe differently. And some people you go and like, oh God, I always feel sleepy and tired and, you know, a bit depressed after speaking to them or I feel uplifted. And so we, if we, if we're depressed and sad and don't like what we're doing, it's, it will show up in business because your business becomes a reflection of you. If you go, you know what, I feel tired, I feel sick. You'll notice that clients start to disappear. If you're like, God, I really need a holiday. The whole day might just completely disappear and you have a free, a whole free day again, because it's a direct reflection of what's going on within you. If you become really connected in with clients and business, then again, it will grow. I know that if I go and start researching a new particular issue or a a problem, I'll get a client that has that problem. They'll come to me and say, Tanya, I've got this, you know, I'm dealing with this. And I'm like, okay, I've just been reading about that. So of course, of course. So we do have this vibration. So 
regardless of if you think it's woo-woo, you'll still be able to have moments if you go and reflect on your own life in terms of being able to see where that energy is coming through. So do you perceive that we're attracting both, in adverted commas, because I know you don't like polarised language, the good and the bad, do you perceive that we're co-creating both? I believe we co-create. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily believe that we co-create. We do co-create the good and the bad because most of the time we just go, well, I just want to co-create the good and then the bad. It's like, no, no, that 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 wasn't me. That but it's neither good. Yeah, but it's neither good nor bad. Like it, it, everything just is, but it's our projections that we put onto it that make it good or bad. But we're creating everything. Mm. Do you find that intimidating or inspiring? Super inspiring. Like I really believe that. <laughs> it's so inspiring because I really believe that we are here to um, know ourselves, grow ourselves and create. Like I believe that we're here to create a life that we genuinely really love. And to know that we're a creator, it's like know that, you know, at a simple level that you can get rock star parking if you want it. You know, it's the complete yeah. busy shopping center and then you go in and you get rock star parking. Unless you like the 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 walk and you prefer the and you have a value on walking, then you'll get like the back at the corner <laughs> and you have to walk all the way um, because you prefer walking whatever floats your boat, but it's like learning how to create at a small level and then learning how to create and say, you know what, I'd love to have X amount of clients come through the door every single month. And then knowing that you created that, or then say you wanted to have a, a you know, a, whatever it is, a half a million, a million dollar business, a X dollar business. And so you go, and then you were actually seeing that you had the capability and you did create that. That's inspiring. Cause it's like, if you can create that, what else can you create in your life? What are the first steps to doing that? Let's say you have the big vision or the dream and it's on your vision board. Hmm. Then what do you do? Well, you have to you have to own it first. You know, it, it, if you if you look at it and you're like, that's not me, it's like then you you're not owning who, who that because you, you have to become the, the individual that you'd love to be in order to attract it. So if you think that um, for example, you'd love to have more wealth, but you don't, you feel poor and you feel like low self-worth and you have to shift something inside of you because you have to feel worthy to be able to then attract that and hold on to the money and grow the money. So it has to, there's an element of becoming it. And then also taking a level of action step, even though we talked about just before about being, there still needs to be action steps taking towards what the life is that you want. So if it happens to be that you want to serve more people, then you have to envision it, picture it, see it, but then take steps like connect with different people, you know, uh, start speaking to larger or, or um, larger, uh, larger demographic so that you can get your message out there so that you can grow your, your business, for example. Mm, thank you. You're welcome. What would you tell your younger self about business? So that first graduated nurse, what would you tell her about business? About business? I would say that all your pain, all the fire that you have put yourself or, you know, have perceived other people have put yourself into is part of your purpose. Like know that everything that you've ever been through is going to be used purposefully to be able to help other people too, who are struggling who are having difficult moments to be able to appreciate that it's possible to transform. So just instead of trying to get rid of the, 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 the pain and 
feeling like the pain will never end, that the struggle is going to be significant in being able to heal other people. Mm. You really love that. That's really beautiful. Mm. Thank you. Do you ever find yourself scared, spiraling into dark places or phases in a business journey or facing imposter syndrome? And if so, what do you do? Okay, I definitely have had, I definitely have had every time I get to that like gross, I call it a gross ceiling, that one where you're just like, okay, I know that I'm about to to expand or I know that I want to grow. It's just like, how, how the hell hell am I going to do this? And just that, like, I'm scared because I'm actually scared of who I'm going to become. And then what does that mean for life? For example, you know, I started, I started a new venture, which is called a power workshop. So we do five days of walking through, through Sydney and getting people to awaken their purpose in life. And I, I didn't, we, we did one in June and it was like deeply moving and, and heart opening and it was profound. And there's this like, oh my gosh, I now I'm scared because if that means I'm going to continue to grow this part of the business, does that mean traveling around the world? Does that mean less time with my daughter? And what would that mean if there's less time with my daughter? Who am I going to become as a mom? And, you know, is that a failure? Is that like, you know, how is she going to be? And so there just becomes this like, uh, like hugely challenged, but like everything that I, I use it as an opportunity to be able to go, well, what do I really want? So similar to what I asked before, like what's my end vision and mission, you know, not just in business, but in life as well. And how would these opportunities fit into that? And to give an opportunity to actually resolve some of my emotional um, challenges around it so I can dissolve the gross ceiling that I have and I can rise and I can do more and be more mm. and share, share a profound message out there to the world. So I feel like, I have, and I have lots of moments, like if I look at throughout my life, I've had lots of moments where I've like dark, you know, and d- deeply spiraled. Uh, but again, it's that same thing when my younger self, it's like each of those fires, I feel like as a coach, it is really enriching once I've gone through it to go, I can understand where my clients are because if I kept on trajectory going upwards mm-hmm. and rising and like dissolving Mm-hmm. emotions and I didn't have very many emotions to dissolve after a while and I was like oh yeah then I wouldn't really connect with my clients as as much because I wouldn't understand because I'd been so long since I've kind of gone through something emotional so I I really appreciate the 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 the, the challenges that I find myself in because it gets me to be grounded again, gets me to really deeply apply the work that I teach and then gets me to resolve it and gets me inspired again about the work that I teach so that I can then share that message with with other people. And also, you know, I think it's really relieving sometimes when your practitioner goes, you know what, I struggle with that too. Like, you know, it's like a, it's you get to connect with them. It's a different version of business though, isn't it, versus one that's hierarchical, one oh. that says I see you, I feel you. Yeah. I, I, for me, I'm like, I'd rather be raw and real than put, put a pedestal of who you need to be inside of business and what you need to project out to the world. I'd rather be raw and real. It's like who you get publicly is who you get privately. Mm-hmm. Like there's no difference. And so that means there's not this disparity between how I'm showing up in the big wide world in business and how I'm sharing 
to what I am at my in my home life and so therefore my home life doesn't have to suffer because if my public life is really bright and and interesting and and um you know amazing and then privately it's the inverse and my 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 family around me have to suffer and be challenged by that version of me that's really difficult and so now that I you know and I've gone through that journey where I had that and it was it was difficult uh, it was difficult for um, people around me and and much more than likely a reason why my marriage failed because of that disparity, the difference. So now I've just learned how to really truly be me here, me when I'm with my daughter, me when I'm at, you know, at home with my family, me when I'm publicly speaking or me when I'm with in a coaching session, it's all the same. Yeah. I love it. Can we just linger on that a little bit? Because I get you because I'm used mm. to your, your language and, and way of seeing the world. And for some people who are listening, they would have been like, what? So I just want to slow it down for a hot little yeah. second. So what I hear you talking about is the concept that all systems have a universe. Mm. So you you have a universe within your family and within your business and there's all of these systems. You can explain it differently. I'll just give a brief summary and then you pick it up from here. Mm-hmm. So we have all of these systems. They all have a complete universe, meaning all parts of the universe are present in all of those systems. So if you're only light on Instagram, then the dark has to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so it will often then occur in family or relationship or whatever it is. And it's purely functional because there's just they're balancing polarizations. But how would you explain that or slow that down? So we have essentially our whole self and then we have personas. So our whole self is nice, mean, kind, cruel, happy, sad, glad, mad. We have all of those things, you know, disciplined, you know, lazy, uh, focused on health, you know, don't care about health. We We have both sides of ourselves as a whole individual. When we split ourselves and we put our public image out there of how we should, we think our audience needs or we get, we over exaggerate our, our positive self to the world, showing how amazing things are or how, how healthy we are or how, how much, you know, exercise or good food or whatever it is that we're doing. And we put that out to the world. Then anytime we, we have to show the other side because every individual has both sides. And so that means when we do the, the other side, for example, if it's a, you know, someone who's health orientated and they do practices at home that aren't healthy, you know, like over overeating or, you know, sedentary life or whatever, the, whatever the, the, the judgment, they end up getting shame inside. So you get pride when you build and you feel the pride, usually you feel puffed up and, and aggrandized when you're publicly putting your image out there to the world. And you, you can feel that internally, but then there's the shame and the beating down when you do the inverse at home. And so that's when there's a polarity between the public and the private image or the personas that if we can learn to integrate and show publicly where you, whatever, overeat, and, you know, and you focus on health, you do both of that publicly, then privately you won't be beating yourself down so much and you'll, ha- you'll enjoy more of a balanced um, dynamic at home as well. Mm. So interesting. There is, I mean, there's so many other things, that, so many other things. Of course there are, but it's just so interesting it's, just to spend a minute contemplating. For sure, because then you have the public image, then people put you on a pedestal and they build you up and they praise you and you can't get praise without rec- reprimand. And so that means when you go and get praise, how amazing are you? And then you go home, your partner goes, you know, you forgot to do all these things and then they criticise you. And so mm. there becomes like criticism at home, but only because of the praise that you get at work. And so if we learn to, if we learn to show our 
true self, our whole self, publicly, we embrace praise and reprimand, yes. criticism and and, uh, and praise together. That means at home there'll be more of a balance of criticism and praise as well as opposed to just praise outside and just criticism at home. Because then you're like, I don't want to go home anymore and I don't like my home. And then most people start to struggle with home life and they're like, well, I should just leave. But they've not been having this full awareness that it's actually the the pride and the, the praise that they get from the outside world that's actually playing in an entangled dynamic that's bringing in criticism to humble them to get them back into balance. Mm. I mean, I can just linger on this point forever because it's one of my favourites. But we shall move on and see where we get to. (laughs) What are your pillars of self-nourishment? For me is uh, exercise and slacklining. So I would say that and and food as well. What the heck is slacklining? Huh? What is slacklining? Oh, (laughs) it's tightrope walking. So, yeah, I know it's like interesting. So basically if you get a tree, two trees, depending on how far apart, you know, a beginner would start maybe 15 metres apart and then you you expand out. So you tie a, a, a tightrope between the two. So it's quite uh, like the way I like it is quite flexible and it, it moves a lot. And then you jump on it. So you stand on it and then you walk, turn around, come back the other way. You just... Why do you like that? Oh, um, so I can understand why people would, would, <laughs> would be challenged by it because when you first start, you have to muscle memory. You have to try and do this sometimes like a thousand times before your, your body can hold still the line enough and, you know, activate your core enough to go, okay, now I can hold the the line still. But when you do, there's one, um, a, a like you become symbiotic with the line itself and there's this this beautiful kind of connection between the line and and your body and then you have to to be able to walk you have to let go of everything so you can't be tense you can't think about walking you can't think about the line you can't look down at the line you have to look up and then you just have to let go and you have to be like just flexible you just have to be like super super like limp if that's a thing and just um flow with it and so it's like a beautiful walking meditation of being able to let go of everything just focus on your breathing and just walk so it's just for me it feels even though I'm in the air it feels really grounding like it just feels that I get to move yeah yeah and almost like a metaphor for the way that you choose to live life too for sure because you've got to be balanced in order to stay up there you have to be balanced and so it is, it's just a really beautiful way to be outdoors, move, move. It feels nourishing for my, my mind, heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And it's also a great like pe- people attractor as well, because then people with kids or, or, or someone, you know, someone who's like, oh, I'm super fit. I can give that a go. And they give it a go. And like, oh, this is a little bit harder than it looks. And so it's just a, it's a great way to meet people. Mm. Does it require a lot of like micro muscle movement too? Um, is that strength training? It's, it's core training. So if you want to end up doing it and do it regularly, you'll have um, abs of steel or a core of steel. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely because it's just core work that you don't need to be. It's not strength that you, that takes to walk it. It's actually core strength mm. that you're building because you've got you in order to balance, you have to have your core mm. activated. Fascinating. Mm. What are your favourite business tools? 
So I would say I have two. So one would be Notion. I'm a massive fan of Notion. I just, <laughs> it's a free platform. I'm, I, free is amazing. Yeah, give us a spiel. Come on, gush. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah totally Why gush. do you love it? I love it because it is uh, an opportunity for you to, one, for business and personal, but for business in terms of being able to have templates and how to um, like serve your clients, how to do launches, how like a lot of like the marketing engine of your business, it gives you lots of templates and it's free. And so it just gives you like almost like a how-to guide on do a launch and how to, uh, um, you know, do some, it does have, has a planning one where you look at like the big picture planning and then chunks down to like tasks. So it has kind of all that inbuilt, like the engine built and you just have to use the template and make it your own. So I love it. And the other one would be from, because uh, I write newsletters every every single week. So I would say um, Hemingway has, um, it's called Hemingway's Editor. And it's again, free. And it's, you just put your information or your, your newsletter in and it will make it readable for you. Because I totally understand not everyone has, you know, like skills to write. And so I just put this in and it just gives me, ways to like say it sim- more simply or it says that you're using it in a passive voice, not an, an active voice, for example, or this sentence is really hard to read and then it gives you, you can go back and just like retweak it. So it's just, so Hemingway's editor, free, just have it on your computer and it's just a beautiful way to be able to, because I want to get, sometimes I, I think about getting my message across and like like we were talking about before, you're like, oh, like I want to make sure people really get it and really understand it. And I, I understand that sometimes the work that I teach is a bit complex and a bit challenging and you have to hear it sometimes. Like, let me just hear that again, like another time and another time, because we have to hear it multiple times in order sometimes something to sink in. So then when you're writing, I just want to make sure that what I write again the clients and the people that are reading are getting what I'm, what I'm trying to say. So this is a beautiful way to just simplify the mm, words and the message. Very cool. Mm. Do you have any audiobook or book recommendations that you're like, I love those books? Uh, it, it depends like, cause I read at such a wide range. I would say I'm in the midst of reading trauma and memory. So it's by the Levine who wrote waking the tiger, which was again about trauma. So I've been, I've really been immersed in, which it's definitely a topic that's been quite in, um, you know, over the last maybe year or two, it's been definitely a topic that a lot of people have been researching and reading about. So definitely those two books have been profound, especially because I work with, I work with people who have challenges and then looking at like, for example, looking at the trauma and memory is really interesting to see what happens in the body and what happens in the mind and how trauma is formed and why it's formed. And then, so then I'm thinking of, you know, because some people have trauma that, that they need to resolve, they choose, they want to resolve. So I find those, those two books are super interesting. Ooh, I love I'm it. Not, and I'm not much of an audio book. I'm still at old school. <laughs> get my highlighter out with my book. <laughs> I totally get that. All my books have the same thing down, yeah. down aside. I totally get it. So before we wrap up today, is there anything that feels left unsaid or that you would like to leave in this podcast for practitioners who may follow us? I feel like it's complete. Perfect. 100% trust that. Can you, though, please share all of the ways that we can work with you and how we can find you and connect with you? 
For sure. So if you want to find me, you can either find me on Facebook, which is Students of Wisdom Tanya Cross. And so there's a Facebook community that you can be a part of or just be a fly on the wall and just lay a little read in, which is a beautiful insights and wisdoms and questions you can ask around human behavior and and people and the world. So it's definitely an inspiring uh, group and community to be a part of. And then there's also uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. So you can find me there just finding my name, Tanya Cross. And then if you're interested in coming to do some work around mindset, to be able to learn how questions to ask yourself to resolve emotions and then also grow your business, then you can check out maximumgrowth.co. We have group coaching classes that give you the opportunity to be a part of the community again, be with other business owners on a similar journey to you in growing your business, but growing yourself to grow your business. Mm, thank you. And just for our listeners, we will have all of those links in the show notes. So you can kick, click below and you will instantly be taken to all of those places also. Thank you, wonderful Tanya, for sharing your wisdom and your journey for all of us who listen in. Thank you, Julie. I'm over here giving you a virtual, completely non-awkward, full of love hug, because you just finished another episode of the Deeper Practitioner podcast. If you want more, head on over to julietenner.love in all the places for your freebies, downloads, and daily inspiration. If you want to be ahead of the game and know about the latest releases, offers, and weekly ways to inspire how you deepen and love, be sure to join my mailing list. The link's waiting for you at julietenner.love. Thank you so much for spending your time and brain space listening to this podcast. Big love. Mwah.